Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, it is Garen and Jordan coming to you, talking about Nehemiah 13. Garen taught it on December 3rd. And final chapter, but not final Nehemiah lesson. Right, Garen? Right. We've got a few more after this. A couple more. I've so, written two more chapters I'm throwing on the end. That, oh, good. Yeah. That's always worked out well yeah, for people. that's always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adding to the Bible yeah. is always a good move. Yeah, that's always. <laughs> so if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, no, it's the last Nehemiah, even though we're at 13, we have a few more. So you don't have to um, be sad yet. But 13, Garen, you said it was a chapter that you kind of didn't look forward to teaching for a yeah, while. Yeah, for a while I was dreading it because of some of the whack stuff in it. Yeah. I'm like, what do you do with that? And yeah, and and you when you fall in love with a guy and you're like, and some of that happens, not that I have any less love for him, but yeah, it's just like for a while, I'm like, what am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with that? And then a month ago, it, it hit me why this was so important actually. And then I fell in love with the chapter. So let's just start with that. What, like, what was the switch? Why is it so important? Yeah, because it, maybe it was that my hero was getting tarnished a little bit because I've loved that guy since I was a new believer. I encountered him early in my faith. And and also just hard passages, knowing that people could stumble over that. And yeah. sometimes the hard passages, people can't see the big picture because the the one verse yes. stumble. And, and I was kind of like, how do I deal with this in a way that I can keep the bigger picture? But then I realized what the bigger picture was. And that really is, it's the reality of living and serving in a broken world, that it really is reality. Mm-hmm. And it's Old Testament reality. We can get to in a minute, pre-Jesus especially. Um and then I, then I really like, okay, that's where the, that's the point. That's why God put this in here. And then it made it easier. And I think we all understand that. I mean, I got this one in my gut, this chapter, because we've all mm. been there, right? Yeah. When you're working with people in any form, you have been disappointed and upset and taken things personally and felt like a failure. Yeah. And responded inappropriately. And pulled out somebody's beard. Yeah. <laughs> Yanked their hair we've out. We've all been there. Am I right? <laughs> 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 beat them up, <laughs> beat up a few dudes. So in Jesus name, of course. <laughs> yes. Always. As long as you say that after it's okay. So let's just kind of make sure we set the stage well before we jump in here. So let's lay out a little chronological timeline for Nehemiah. Okay. So Nehemiah starts, he is the cupbearer in Babylon, right? Uh, Persia. In Persia. Uh-huh. Persian Empire. To Artaxerxes. Yep. And it starts with him hearing about the wall being torn down in Jerusalem. And uh, it says for four months, yes, he is praying, waiting for an opportunity. And for, for cultural reasons, he can't just bring this up. So for four months, he's waiting to bring it up to Artaxerxes, finally gets his window, gets the green light to go back to Jerusalem. So four months praying, gets the green light, spends 12 years there 12 in Jerusalem. Years. And it only takes him 52 days to build the wall. So most of what he's doing Whoa. is gov- being governor. Okay, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, is that, so he builds the wall right away. Well, not right away, but pretty close pretty, to right away. Yeah. And then he's just spent the extra 11 and a half years 
governing and making sure it's yeah, just that it's going the, well, that the things are going well, and the people are things are going smoothly, and that they're I think they're keeping all the commitments of chapter ten, especially the the things they vowed to do. I think something I never um, considered before was he had the blessing of Artaxerxes to stay away that long. Yes. It's not like, hey, quickly build the wall right. on a weekend and run back for, for Monday meeting. Yep. It's like, yeah. spend 12 years there? Yep. Whoa. And if and I didn't mention it yesterday, but in chapter two, he says, I gave him a time I would come back. So he had in his mind oh. that he didn't. He wasn't just going to build a wall. He needed to be there long enough to get them established. That's a lesson in itself right there. Yeah. Wow, that's really so. Good. He kind of had that in mind, so he's like, "All right, twelve years up. I need to get back to my job. I yeah. promised him I'd come back." Huh? So he goes back. And okay, then- so twelve years. Yeah, he he says, "All right, I've poured eleven and a half years into into governing you guys. We're on a good start here. Yeah. Let me leave." He goes back to Persia, and we don't know how long he's there. Don't know how long. Could be a long time. Could not be. But he starts hearing about all the he, the wheels are coming off in Jerusalem. Everything's going wrong. Right, and so he yeah. comes back to this that we're going to yeah. read about. Well, actually, here. it doesn't even say he hears that. It just says he came back. Oh, he and just then visits. He says, "When I came back, I learned oh. that Eliashib." And then the next one, I learned. So he's just so, home visiting. Yeah, he's like home visiting. It may be a vacation. And he sees the plumes of smoke. Yeah, right. Uh, in the distance, yeah. it could be like he's, he's just taking a week off, going home. He thinks it's going to be relaxing by the beach, you know, down by Joppa. Yeah, right. And he gets there, and everything's wrecked, and and he's like, "Oh man." What disappointment. Yeah, can you imagine? Wow. Yeah. Okay, so then he gets back, and that's exactly what we're going to talk about here. So it starts off with another incredible thing. God's people are, from the jump, they have misrepresented God's word. It says they have kicked all the foreigners out of the assembly. Yeah, everybody. You you guys aren't Israelites, so you're out of here. You're booted. Yeah. And their pretext for this is, well, that's what God told us to do in the yeah. law of with Moses. The, with the Ammonites and the Moabites, well, he right. told us, don't ever let, ever let them back. Yeah. So we're not letting anybody back, and it's not at all what it says. So if you go back and actually read Deuteronomy 23, 3, and 4, they've misquoted because it was to 10 generations that they were to kick them out. Yeah. And we're to not past- allow them in the assembly. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're past that. We're past that. We're they were way past, way, past, that. way past that. Yeah, it wasn't even close. It was past that when Ruth became a believer in Yahweh. It was already past that. And so these guys, it's not a misinterpretation. They have just said, you know, we're not really valuing scripture highly enough to probably read the details on that. Yeah. So they have kicked everyone out. And I think that it may put a bad taste in maybe the the new believer or the non-believer's mouth of like, well, this is ethnic cleansing. Yes, this is yes, racism. Yes, yes. This is not... I mean, is this the heart of your God? Yes. Because if so, why well, don't I want to be a part of this? Yes. Well, okay, let's go to what God actually wants us to do with the foreigner. Leviticus uh, 19, right? You are to care for the yeah, foreigner. You're care for them and love them as yourself. Yeah. That's a really strong word. Wow, yeah. And then Deuteronomy 31, we are to invite them in and read God's word yeah. before them. That yeah, they when might you assemble, see, bring them in with you. Yeah, that they might see who Yahweh is as yeah. well. So That's his heart. And yeah, that's why I had to speak to that, right? Because if there is a new believer, somebody's seeking... And they're like, wow, this is a great God. Oh, Just yeah. all the foreigners, get them out of here. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's not at all what his heart is. Yeah, totally. Okay, so we understand God's heart rightly here. God's people did not. And so Nehemiah comes back to that and he's got he's to first correct that. And then there are four major problems you mentioned. So one, the temple's been desecrated. Two, people were not giving tithes. Three, they were violating the Sabbath. And four, there was marriage to non-believers happening. Yeah, that non-spiritual oneness in marriage. Non-spiritual oneness, yeah. yeah. 
I guess I have one pushback here that I need some clarification on, Garen. So the marriage to non-believers, his justification for this or his his bar for this is, well, I see families and their kids aren't speaking the language of Judah. They're speaking foreign languages. Well, does that necessarily mean they're not following God or does that just mean it's a mixed family? Because yeah. to me, that's not the same as everyone not following God. Well, I think the reality that from most... In most of their history, to marry a foreigner meant you were marrying into the Canaanite religion. Mm. So it's a little bit different than now. Now we're in a secular culture and people may not, just different levels. But for then, if they had not converted to Yahweh worship, they were still worshiping the Canaanite gods. There's okay. no sacrifice. So this them. is something where we've got to lose our Western eyes a little bit. Yes. Because if we read it through Western eyes and there's blended families, intercultural all over. Yeah. And it's right. a good thing. And so if my wife's from another country and our kids may not necessarily speak just English, that's not what's going on Yeah, here. that's not what's going on. It's something very different. Yeah, it's that they were, their primary language was their Canaanite language. And their, that spouse is worshiping these Canaanite gods, most likely. They don't know Hebrew, so they can't, they can't. If their mom spoke the Torah, they wouldn't understand what they're saying. Ah, okay, yeah. It's only in Hebrew, so they can't hear the word of God. They can't read the word of God. So they're not going to be instructed in it. Okay. And, and so it leads to, like Malachi says, it leads to offspring who don't know him and follow him. And he, that's why he wants oneness in marriages. He wants godly offspring. Right. So, okay. Yep. Anything else to say about these other major issues or do you feel like you hit it pretty well yesterday? I think, yeah, pretty, there's, again, the main thing is, is what's shocking is one that Tobiah, the high priest lets that dude set up an office in the temple to me is crazy. He's an enemy. Of them, but and then the, those things are all the things they agreed to in chapter ten. They they swore they, an oath and curse us, God, if we don't follow these. And then he leaves, and they're back to all of that. So on that Tobiah thing, is that just like a discernment issue, or do you think there's more to that? Or oh, I think a lot more to it because you know in chapter six it said that Tobiah. Do you remember he had insiders yeah. who were feeding him information, and then he'd send letters. And, yeah, right. And we we learned that what we learn in this chapter is that he was actually tied in with the high priest probably all along, mm. and nobody knew that. And a light, and maybe even Nehemiah didn't know that till he went back. Mm. And after Nehemiah left, he's like, "Hey, have an office in the temple, even though you don't worship Yahweh, and you're trying to undermine everything we do." Right. So it just showed a lot about what was even going on at the levels of that high level that maybe he didn't even know. Yeah. So Nehemiah comes back. We're going to talk about maybe the emotional roller coaster of it later, but for now, let's just look at his kind of visceral reaction, right? He sees all this and how does he react? He is rebuking them. That's kind of good. Yeah, rebuking that's good. He's good. Yeah. Rebuking is good. Uh, calling down curses, which at first is a little suspect. Suspect. But then you realize they named it themselves. Yeah, they, they said, named it. if we break this, may curses be called yeah. down upon us. Now, can you clear up a little bit what this, what does it look like to call down a curse? I think the curse, so if you look at Deuteronomy and the covenant, the curses were, if we're not obeying you, that the rain's not going to fall, our crops won't grow, our, the things like that. The, a lot of those, a lot of the things. So that that's what it looks like. To. Nehemiah stepping in, he says, here's the curses. May God do this to you yeah, now. May so God like, do this to you yeah. now. So may the rain stop, may, yeah. may the crops quit growing because that's what you said. What so happened. that's what this looks like. Yeah, that's him. what this okay. looks like. And once again, they said, do this to us if we go back yeah, on this. That was their words. And so he's and just so saying, he's just, yeah, saying, okay, you asked for it. Yeah, well, you shook hands on this. You shook hands. You made a deal. So okay. that one, that one, once that you get one, past the initial shock, you're like, okay, I get that one. Understandable. Um, 
he starts pulling out people's beards. This <laughs> and, one is and hard beat, beating on them. and beating them. This is hard to defend. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Some Jerusalem fight club going on. <laughs> I don't know how to take this, Garen. Can you make it make sense to me? This is a little unhinged for yeah, a Bible character. That's, so that's why I would say, I said at that time, culturally, some of that was inappropriate, at least the pulling out the beard stuff. The beating, I don't know about that one. So pulling out the beard culturally, is that like a fighting move? Like, do you do that to somebody else? You pull, Or do they do it to themselves? Is like when you're lamenting something, like when is beard yeah, pulling it happening? could be lamenting something. It's you're appalled. There's something abhorrent that's happened. But like I said, Ezekiel, I mean, Ezra, he he just pulls out his own beard. So like the chiefs don't get the, the pass interference call last night. They're pulling out their beards. Yeah, that's they're what, like, yeah, they're pulling out, they're rep- okay. yeah, tearing your clothes, right. pulling out their beards. Okay, just I that need kind a little of cultural context yeah, there. Yeah, that's okay, probably good. the... So he is not only, he's not pulling his own beard though. No, he's he, unlike Ezra, <laughs> who's the priest. Okay. That's what the pastor is going to do. He's just going to pull his own hair out. Yeah. That's another layer to this. <laughs> yeah. Ezra, the priest pulls his own beard. Let me cause myself pain over this. Yeah. But Nehemiah, Nehemiah's like, looks nope. to inflict pain on others. Yeah, I'm taking this out. That's how others. you know he's like a blue collar gruff. Like yes. we're going to get this done. He's a wall building guy. Yeah. He takes yeah. other people to task. Yes. That's right. Okay. So it fits his personality, but, and just because it's culturally acceptable, does that mean that it's right? Does that mean that's what God would say? Yeah, that's, that's what this is saying, right? Response. That, because Nehemiah did it, so it's good for us to do, right? Is that the yeah. message and here? that's why I mentioned that that principle of interpretation is just because somebody in the Bible says it or does it, doesn't mean that God approves of it. Right. Just because okay. Moses has concubines or David or Solomon doesn't mean that's the right thing to do. Wait, hold on. I don't get concubines. <laughs> I thought that was part of the deal. Yeah. Well, we'll have to talk about that later, okay. Jordan. Sorry, right. you didn't know that. Dang one. it. Okay. So you're saying this is descriptive, not prescriptive. Yeah, descriptive, not prescriptive. Very like good. what That's we say to put it. also, I mean, when we talk through the Psalms this summer with David, he was upset with God. Yes. And so it's not saying do this, reader. It's saying, reader, let me describe to you how David was feeling. Yeah, this is, uh-huh. Okay. This is how he feels. And, and yes. that's a really important thing to remember when reading our Bible, that not everything in it is prescribing to us what we should do. Sometimes it's just describing a story. Yeah. And so we got to have the spiritual eyes of maturity to see that. Yep. And, and that's, that's what's happening That's here. why we need to know scripture well, and we need to compare it. Like, is this what God would say to do, or is this really appropriate? Yeah. And so that's why I feel like there's kind of different opinions, but I feel like he did cross a line, but I totally get it too. So some of this is even left up to the reader a little bit because there's no explicit Nehemiah did this and it was sinful and it was wrong in God's eyes. I mean, yeah. some of that is left up to us maybe to I like, think so. some biblical did he cross a line or, yeah. and you would say he probably did. I think he did. Cause yeah, this, I just think just like beating people up, that's nowhere in scripture. Yeah. And you not know, the, the way, hair, not the way of Jesus. Probably. No, not the way of Jesus. And the hair and the Torah doesn't talk about that. And the, but the hair pulling that was a cultural thing. But there's things we do in our culture that God might say, I don't really approve of that. So just because I'm doing what I my time said was appropriate doesn't mean that God approved of it. Again, with Moses, when he takes on us, he takes one of his servants, and I'm going to have a child through her. That was appropriate in their culture, but God's like, I don't approve of that. So that principle is really important. So. So when I'm reading this in Nehemiah, I'm not saying, okay, that's what I need to do. It's like, that's not the point. What the point for me was, is I totally get his frustration. Yeah. Yeah. He comes back, like we said, maybe on vacation. Who well, knows? Yeah. Let's talk about that for a sec. Let's try and level with Nehemiah a little bit. So you've poured 12 plus years of your life into this. Your heart. And that's the kind of guy he is. He poured his life oh, into it. Oh, everything right? into everything. it. Yeah. 
and and left a very prestigious position in Persia, you know, yes. um, came back, did the hard work, was in the trenches, yep. leaves for, we don't know, maybe a week, a, a month, a, yeah. 10 years. We don't know. We don't know. But he comes back and everything is unraveled. I mean, let's just think about how you would feel in that moment. And you can start to understand the beard pulling a little bit. Yes. Right. Not, not condoning it. Not condoning it, but you can understand. But you get it. <laughs> you can get it, right? Yeah. Because we've all been there to a degree. Yeah. I mean, like you, the, you come back and the high priest, like you moved Tobiah in the temple. Are you kidding me? That right. guy fought us tooth and nail. Like, <laughs> yeah. can you imagine the level of frustration at that? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What are you thinking? You know, right. kind of the McFly again. Hello, Elisha. Uh-huh. You know, uh, anybody home? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You brought the enemy. And then, and your, your grandson married Sanballat's daughter. Like, what is going on here? Yeah. Yeah. So I can, I get the emotion. I get that. And that's why I think chapter 13 is so helpful because- Sometimes you ask yourself if I could go back and just have videotape footage of one moment in the Bible. <laughs> would this be one? And of I've them? never thought it would be Nehemiah before, but I would. I would love to see the look on his face when he starts to realize these things. Does he just have that thousand yard stare of like, what is going on? Am I the only one who hasn't lost my mind around here? Yeah. Like, because you know that he was just feeling feeling that way for sure. So we can level with him. And if if you listener have been a restorer in your place, then you have certainly met some of this as well. Yeah, right? you've experienced it to a degree, some degree or another. We've all experienced this. Yeah. Because the world is messy and because it doesn't really go. Yep. People are broken and people, it doesn't go. And I'm broken. And so things never go exactly as I expect. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean we're not doing it the right way. Right. doesn't mean that at all. It just means that the world is messed up. We'll talk more about that in a sec. I want to talk quickly about this, Garen. So in a sec, we're going to jump into why was this chapter included. Um, but I think even before that, I think because to, that is going to talk about when we say why was this chapter included, we're talking about how things fell apart in Jerusalem. But really quick, let's talk about how things fell apart in the heart of Nehemiah really quick and why he even included that in his own letter, why the Holy Spirit prompted him to include these ugly parts of him. Because yeah. if I'm Nehemiah, maybe I'm erasing those yes. sentences yes. about how I kind of lost my cool. Yes. And then in the annals of history, I will be seen as yes. this great yep. leader, right? Um, you said it and it was so true. And if you look across the Old Testament, you see this exact thing happen over and over, that the Old Testament was written to create a need for the Messiah. Yes. It's and, under, yes. And so every character that we encounter in some level, you know, has success. And the re- uh, the reader, if we're reading with fresh eyes says, is this it? Is this the seed of the woman? Is this uh-huh. the one? Is this the one? And then it crashes. Yep. I mean, Moses, Saul, David, Elijah, Joshua, Joshua others, right? Like our, we're Elijah brought up to think this is the one. And then yeah. no, not yeah. the one. And this is just another instance to me of that. Yeah. That Nehemiah is this great guy who does these great things. And then, well, but he is not the ultimate. Yep. He is not the Messiah we're waiting for. And so here's his demise at the end. And it's not to dog him. It's just to show that how much we are really waiting for this, this Christ. Yes. For the Messiah, the true restorer and the one who will bring the new covenant. That's a new covenant of a changed heart and getting rid of the issue of sin, which is the root problem. And that none of the old Testament guys are dealing with the root problem. Yeah. Because that's not what the old covenant was about. The yeah, old covenant true. was to show that's the root problem. Point. Wow. Was to show us there's a heart problem, and that's why we they consistently cannot keep it. Yeah. And yeah, so this story really is all about really huh. it's a big pointer to Jesus. Man, that's a light bulb moment for me. That's really good. 
Okay, so let's go into why was this chapter as a whole included, not just the downfall of Nehemiah, but why would this be included? And you said yesterday, and it's so true, um, that it just shows the reality being restored, right? Yep. That that Nehemiah almost feels like his work has been blotted out by this a yeah. little bit. Yeah, it's like I mean, everything I've done, it's undone. Like, yeah. You go back, you've poured all this time in, and it's just not how you left it. And yeah, we've been there. And um, I like how you said the servant leader becomes the autocrat. And this is, this is a really good insight right here because the whole book, it's not about him. Not at all. He is delegating. Yeah. He is holding things loosely. Yeah. He is living life with an abundant mentality. And then it comes to 13 and he says, I, 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 and he suddenly shifts the focus to himself. Yep. To himself. And he's doing everything and he's just throwing people out. And right. And if you're a leader, you've been here because when it goes off the rails, what's the easiest thing to do to grab the reins and say, you know what? I, the sheriff is back. Yep. I'm doing things my way because the rest of you are incompetent. So let me do what I need to do. And that's what Nehemiah has right there. It's one of these moments. We've all been there. And he has that. Yeah. Um, you said that, uh, his zeal for God was a good thing, but that it, it crossed the line, right? That he's human like us, that he got, he had eyes to do the right thing, but he kind of lost sight of himself yeah, a little bit. Got unhinged. Yeah. And who hasn't gotten unhinged at some point? Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. Sorry. And that whole thing of just that, yeah, that this is the reality. And that's that whole, that's why I brought back that thing again, that I think is so important. This, we live in this time between the times, right? This the already, but not yet. Mm. The kingdom has come in, but yeah. the corruption of the world and that it's just the reality until Jesus comes, that's what it's going to be like. Yeah, it's always going to be messy. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So, I mean, you may be asking yourself, so we're, we're restorers, right? But what's up with all this brokenness around, brokenness around us? And you showed us that image so well, just the time we're living in is the, uh, what's the epoch we're in right now? The kind of... Yeah, this between Jesus' first coming, that decisive Is there victory. a name for it? There's, no, I just people call, I've heard it called the time between the times. Uh, yeah, before final restoration. Or that already not yet, or yeah. this already not yet, sure. or the kingdom's here, but it's not yet here. Yeah. And it's just this hybrid. And it, this concept is so important. This is the third time I've mentioned it this year. You know, I mentioned it with Yahweh Tzaboth, with Yahweh Rafa, and I mentioned again, because... I, I need to be reminded of this reality because it's easy to become triumphalistic and start thinking, hey, we can do everything now. We can take care of it. I can, I can be the solve all be all. That's not the reality. And so we need to remember yeah. that. Um, you said something that was so useful to me yesterday. You said that often as restorers, we take one step forward and three steps back. And that it's just this slow trudge yeah. of like, oh, we're making progress up. And then we you just lost some. Yeah, you lose some. And the encouraging part to me is that that's just the reality of life. And it doesn't mean that I'm doing a bad job and it doesn't mean right. that I'm not an adequate restorer. It just means that that's the mess we're in right now. It's the mess we're in. We're working with broken people, broken systems, broken structures. Yeah. And it's just the reality. Yeah. You called it a, you said that we are a mixed mess, right? That we're redeemed people yes. who are ex- still experiencing brokenness. I yep. thought that was so good. So when we see ourselves as the mixed mess, then it's a little easier to hold things loosely and yeah. say, it doesn't all have to go perfectly because I mean, that's not the world I live in. And the other thing I probably didn't say it strongly enough or well enough. It's easy to be like, yeah, the world's broken and that's why this is happening. But I also need to remember I'm broken. Yeah. Right. And I'm still struggling with the vestiges of sin and I'm part of the problem sometimes. Sure. And it's not just all about the other guy's fault, but 
Yeah. I don't always do it well. That's a great that point. humility is so important. That's a great point because we as restorers can look out to the world and easily say, well, what needs restored? I'm going to go in the name of Jesus be a restorer, which is great. But we got to remember that even though um, we have been redeemed and restored inside, like you said, it's a partial restoration yes, for now. Even and for so me. The ultimate issue is ultimately within us. Yeah. And the problem lies within us. And so the sickness is ourself. Yeah. A lot yep. of times. And so that creates humility and the humility helps with all this. Cause then I'm not standing in judgment on people, which is probably a little bit what Nehemiah did. Don't you think he kind of felt like, mm. Hey, I'm the only, I'm the sheriff. I'm the only guy that does this right. And that led to some of his behavior as he. Here is something else, Garen. This is just entering my brain. You can tell me if it's off base or not. He leaves Jerusalem after 12 years or whatever. He goes back to Persia. He lives in that world of secularism again, yeah. right? Yeah. He leaves God's city. He heads to Persia, which is like this place where God is not elevated in any way. He comes back. Is there any credence to the thought that like he's been away? And so maybe some of like this godliness about him has been worn down and he comes back and like, you know what I mean? Yeah, could be. He hasn't been around God's people. Right. We assume he's been reading God's law and spending time in prayer and things, but isn't there just something about being in the world and being around yeah. secularism that it kind of wears on you yeah. and you can kind of have a moment where you do snap a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe yeah, we don't know, or not. but it very well could be part of what was going on. Yeah. But then we're going to get to new creation and be like, Nehemiah, how long were you in Persia? We're like, I was there like three days. <laughs> I know. Three, it all fell apart in three days. And the walls like, came off in three like, days. <laughs> the, f- the first day I was on the road, it fell apart. Like I wasn't even gone a day. And yeah. it was, everybody's like, woo, I had a big party. And then, you know, oh, no more man. ties. We've been sweating that guy for 12 years. You know, all right, finally he left. Marry whoever you want. Yeah. You know, big party. Marry who you want. No more Sabbaths, no more ties. Yeah. <laughs> now it's probably longer than three days. Um, okay. You had just a couple more things that were so good. I thought you reminded us that the restoration is not our work, but it's his work. Yeah, he's the heavy. When we start to see ourselves as the heavy, as the straw that stirs the drink, that's when it gets personal for us. Yep. And that's when it really hits us at a soul level when something happens. Because if I'm working with somebody or in a situation, it takes a step back. You know, it's God's work and I'm bummed, but I can keep on. Yes. But when I tie it to my identity, that's when it starts to really eat Mm -hmm. at me. And when I think I'm the heavy then I feel like a failure. Like, oh, I'm the heavy. Well, then what did I do wrong? Because this has gone wrong. Yeah. And so keeping him, that perspective is for me is really huge. That's really So maybe it's a little bit of a warning to like, um, maybe not, not warning. Maybe like it's a helpful tool. If you are feeling this way, maybe this could be why. Maybe yeah. you're viewing yourself as a little too much yeah. of, you know, the one who is making things happen. And could Nehemiah have felt that way? Could he, when he got back, could he felt like as long as I hear it was great. I oh, left, it fell apart. A hundred percent. So he maybe he's like, way. Hey, I'm, I'm the one that kept it together. So well, I've got to be the one to fix don't it. Don't you think every word in the Bible is, is God breathed and so intentional? Do, do you think it's by chance that he's, he writes that word I so many oh, times yes. in 13 uh-huh, right. but, and not before? Yeah. A hundred percent. He saw himself as yeah. the heavy, right? Yeah. So. I wonder if we could get a Nehemiah 14, if we could like 10 years later, he comes back and write, and he's like, guys, I really lost it for, for a minute there. So let me like provide a little bit of, I mean, wouldn't, it's a joke, but like, wouldn't you really love to hear what he would say with a little bit of distance between him and that day where he lost yeah, it yeah. and just hear what he would say? I think that'd be really cool. So this is more reason, Jordan, why when we get the new, in the new creation, yeah. the line, <clears throat> people want to see David and Paul's going to be That's really right. long. I'm heading to Nehemiah yeah. and I'm like, dude, I could talk to him pretty quick. <laughs> there won't be a lot of us there. And I'm like, dude, can you, 
And he talks about chapters 14, well, 15, the, and all 16. The all the 12th Avenue people are going to be uh, <laughs> in line. We're like, hey, you know, Bill Henry, oh, good to see you again, man. Are you still in line here? Yeah. Yeah, and he will. He'll be like, hey, I, I published this new uh, <laughs> this new story about what I was going through afterwards. All right, we're really digressing here. Okay, we're going to wrap this up. This has been really good. You talked about how restoration uh, requires patience that we, he calls us to faithfulness, not an outcome, which is something we need to hear a lot. And so all this is so useful. And then I did want to read this really quickly as we end, because I know we're kind of off the rails right now, but you mentioned first Corinthians 15, 58, and it just sounded like the restores anthem to me. Like, I feel like this is something that we all need in our hearts and really like painted above our doors as we leave for the day, if we're going to be restores. So first Corinthians 15, 58, this is out of the NLT. Uh, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So as restorers, that's got to be our anthem, right? Yes. Go out and be a restorer. People are going to let you down. Yep. Be a restorer anyway. Stuff you do is going to get undone. Like you said. Yeah. The Mother Teresa thing. Yeah. Do it anyway. Do it anyway. People are going to attack you. Just do it. They're going to attack your integrity. Do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Hopefully this was useful to you. Hopefully Nehemiah has been good. Do you want to give the people a little bit of a heads up as to what you're going to teach on the next couple Um, of weeks? I think I'm going to keep that kind of close to the vest, but I will say there's just two things I encountered that I think it speaks into important life issues that we can pull out of Nehemiah that will help us with some of our real life stuff. So, I mean, it already has, I hope helped us with real life, but just a couple of things I think it speaks well into. So Cool. So we got two more and then are we doing a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening for Christmas Eve or just uh, a Sunday morning? Just Sunday morning. Just Sunday morning. Yeah. Okay. And just the one service. So that'll be a, we'll be done with Nehemiah by then. So that'll, that'll be, be good. some Christmas something. Some Christmas something. Something Christmas something. Maybe I can veggie, pull a Christmas veggie message tale, out of. VeggieTale Christmas. Yeah, that'll be, yeah, I show up and we'll have a VeggieTale. Okay. Good, good. And then the 31st. 31st. I, I get the ball. Yeah. I'm excited. Last message of 23, Garen. Nehemiah 14. I feel like the clothes are coming out of the bullpen. Yeah. Do I get like my music as I head to stage? Yeah, like, we've got to get something ready get for some you. Get some warm-up pitches and, okay, good. All right. Well, that is kind of what's coming up for the month of December for 12th. So hope you guys will be along with us, if not in person, then online. Hope these are useful to you. Hope Nehemiah 13, although a little confusing at first, is um, encouraging and convicting and keeps us kind of centered on the right stuff. And so go out and into a broken world, even though, it's going to be hard and it's probably going to be undone at some point. Yep. Be a restorer anyways. That's live, what we're called to. Yep. Live sent lives. Live sent. All right. We'll see you 12th.